Hey guys, this is Jordan Halstead with Nerd Talk with Jordan Halstead. Today, uh, we are talking yet another episode of Harry Potter, and this week we are hitting the Goblet of Fire. This episode, I've got Micah and Alicia coming back. You guys are always welcome. We love having you guys here and, and helping us out as well. We also have Damon. Damon, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, friends. So, this is my first question for you, Damon. What got you into Harry Potter? Oh, uh, definitely my wife. Uh, so I remember it was, uh, I don't remember, it was right when book four came out. And she finally got me to read one. I started out with book three, which is, I do believe, still my favorite. Um, but yeah, she just kind of wore me out, uh, wore me down. Uh, <laughs> she just wore you down. <laughs> yeah, it's like, read it, read it, read it. I'm like, finally read it. And then obviously from the first time I got like two chapters in, I was like hooked. Like midnight, sh- you know, midnight releases, and you know, internet deep dives, and writing my own papers, and all that kind of nerd. That's awesome. So I'm assuming that you've taken the the house test, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So so what what house do you preside in? Yeah, Gryffindor. Gryffindor. Yeah. Go go Gryffindor. Go go Gryffindor. That's what I'm talking about. So. You know, now that we've gotten a little bit of information on you, we're going to go ahead and start in on The Goblet of Fire. This is the fourth book in the series, and it opens up a little bit different. We're not at this point with the Dursleys. So with with it not having the Dursleys really influencing this book at all, I think this is one of the few books that doesn't really mention them. Um, that kind of like how Prisoner of Azkaban didn't have, right? Am I, am I right? Well, don't they... Um... I mean, a little bit, yeah. There, it's a it's a smaller section for them, um, but it's a fun section because we get to see them interact with the Weasleys. Because Weasleys don't they come enter in the, the uh, book? Yeah, I forgot the, about uh, the that fireplace. part. Yeah, because yeah. they they enter in and they they kind of crap their shorts. Yeah, I yeah. forgot about that part yeah. because then he has what? to say, "Hey, we're stealing him." Yeah, yeah. One of my favorite things was how. Uh, uh, right at the beginning, uh, Arthur uh, confronts Mr. Weasley about how he treats Harry. He's like, watch it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I forgot about that because the movie doesn't open up that way. The movie has yeah. nothing to do with the Dursleys. And right. so they're, they're not mentioned. They're not referenced. They're not, there's, that part's not really there. They open up with immediately going to the, the World Quidditch Cup. So, mm-hmm. so with that... Is it weird seeing the 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 dynamics? Because like in, in uh we were talking about Prisoner of Azkaban, Voldemort's not in the first, or, or is he's not even in that book. Like he's mentioned, he's talked about, but he's not actually there. And so like right. in this movie, the Dursleys aren't there. So did we miss them? And that goes for the whole group. Did you miss not having the Dursleys in the movie? Hmm. Uh, I didn't particularly like the movie, but um yeah, oh. I think. I, so there were um, storylines with um, Fred and George that started with the uh, Weasleys in that front room scene um, and uh, kind of uh, that didn't they didn't use the rest of the time. So we didn't miss them like as far as if you're just watching the movies. But yeah, I think I mean, I missed it, but I'm a movie book movie snob or whatever. Um, where you preferred the book over the movie. Yeah. Gotcha. So was now now correct me if I'm wrong here. Isn't this where Fred and George start their 
their business. Yeah. And, and Harry yeah. starts the adventures with them, and they don't really even touch that in the movie, do they? No. No. Sad. I gotcha. I gotcha. Alicia, it looks like you had something you wanted to say. Well, and I, I don't, Damon, I'm in agreement. I'm not a huge fan of this movie. Um, out of the whole series, it's probably one of, it may not be my least favorite, but it's definitely one of my least favorites. Um, do I miss the interactions with the Dursleys? Not really, because we, like we've talked about in a couple of the other podcasts, they're kind of jerky. And I don't like just the way that they treat Harry makes me really angry. Like it just, because it's, I mean, it's just, it's just not okay is really the bottom line of it. So the fact that he doesn't get the love that he needs at home like that, it, it breaks my heart. So to have nothing to do with those characters in this movie didn't really hurt my feelings. Um, and I, I had forgotten that part too in the beginning where in the book, at least that they do have some of that, um, that interaction between the Weasleys and the Dursleys. Um, so I do appreciate that about the book, but I don't necessarily, I didn't miss anything about having, not having the Dursleys on the screen. Micah, what did you think? So I want to push back a little bit. Like I hate how they treated Harry. I didn't like it in any of the movies predating this movie. However, <laughs> it's almost like you love to, love to hate them and you want to see what Harry does to them. Right. So especially like in Prisoner of Azkaban, when he finally, uh, he casts a spell on, on Marge and you're like, oh, they're going to get theirs, right? And even in Chamber of Secrets when he drags his uncle out the window and he just falls under the bush. Like, I, as mean as they were to him, I wanted to see, um, I wanted to see what was going to happen to them if they were in this movie. But that's probably my only, you know, I guess push back, I guess blow back against, you know, not having them in the beginning of the movie, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I I actually kind of like seeing the Dursleys because it's one of those moments that it's this buildup, and I feel like when we get to book seven, things drastically change, and there's that little bit of redemption, and we're not going to spoil it, but but seeing some of the changes and seeing some of the the inner working pieces, I like to see them. Because I like the fact that, as we talked about in the last episode, there's that handicap that Harry has. Like, he'd be so much more powerful as a, as a wizard if he was raised in the wizarding world. And he got yeah. placed in this handicap. Yeah. yeah. And it goes back to, like, if you know people's past, do you understand them more? Oh, yeah, um, Absolutely. I think- but I, I, you know, maybe he would have been more powerful, but he would not have been the same. You know, like you take people's past, like especially their tragic past away, um, and they are just they are not the same people, right? He, if he wouldn't have had to go through the hard stuff, would he have been able to do the hard stuff later? He wouldn't have been humbled. Like yeah. the, I, th- I think the whole piece of not having a birthday party, not getting to go to the zoo without being like stuck in the car. Hey, I have to go to to the the Squibs house um, and going to all these all these different pieces. He was humbled by it, and he appreciated it so much more when when the good things did happen. Um, when he gets to meet his his uh, his godfather, when he gets to meet his dad's best friends, when he gets to to have friends of his own, and he gets to go and do these different like he appreciates it so much more. Um, and I think that's why I like seeing the Dursleys is because it, it gives that tragicness 
but it shows why he does some of the things that he does. So, all right, let's get forward to the, the Quidditch World Cup. What did you guys think of the way that, and we, we've talked about this a little bit in the past when we did the first episode of the series. What did you think about seeing Quidditch on the, the world scale? It was no longer just in the school, but like, hey, this is our sport. And it was done on a scale where it's like, how many hundreds of stories tall and like there's so many people at this thing and they're all camping out around like what did you guys think of that one let's start with alicia oh sorry sorry damon you can go no, if you need go ahead. sorry i'm just gonna sorry i um yeah so i usually don't like when um movies give expand too much uh from the book um but I wish they would have given us more Quidditch actual sport, um, uh, professional Quidditch actual sport, because we've seen like fairly large sections of games at the school. I wish we would have sent a larger section of game just at a super like high professional level um, during that time. Um, uh, so I don't. I think we kind of got gypped um, there. Um, as far as the quidditch on the world stage, but yeah, the I mean, they're they're just magical muggles. I mean, fanatical about and uh, about their sport and like you know, uh, idol, I I or icon worshippers, and so yeah, yeah, like no, absolutely. I, I think that makes makes their world more real and more connected to ours than anything else yeah i you know i agree with that there was a, a playstation 2 game that was released called the quidditch world cup and i remember grabbing i think it was the bulgaria team so that way i could play as victor crumb um with their seeker that was one of the coolest things is when you you get past the houses because you start with the the house um at hogwarts and you've got the four houses and you you play through that and then you get to the world cup and you can play as uh, the United States, you can play as, um, you can play as England, you can play as France, you can play any of those, like with ease. Yeah. And I just, I love the way that they handle uh, that outside of the source. But I think that you're right. We got gypped in some of that because it would have been really cool if they would have shown us kind of a, hey, here's what this year's brackets looked like. And you've got England and then the United States mm -hmm. and then Brazil and like to see more of a world. But I think they were still building the story in a small world in a smaller sandbox yeah. and at that point because this this movie came out what 2005 2006 somewhere in there and so when when these movies came out like i don't think that they were still thinking oh hey this is going to grow even more than what we're already at mm -hmm. um they were thinking little little bit not the the big parts um where we'll get fantastic beasts where we're getting uh, a, a Broadway play. Hey, when we're gonna do yeah. this, and this and like getting a whole theme park down in Disney or, or, or at Universal, um, getting all these pieces. I don't think they even had that. So, yeah. Um, yeah. What was that? GameCube. Uh, I I know I had it on PlayStation. I think it was on GameCube as well. I think it was. I think it was one of those like multi-platform pieces. So, Alicia, what did you think of uh, the Quidditch stuff? I was actually going to say almost the exact same thing. I wish that we got to see more because I can remember, again, I'm a little bit removed from, from reading the books, but 
I can remember them describing the games would go on for days and you don't get that impression at all for the movie. It seems like a very quick, very quick game that's going to happen, but it wasn't like that. We didn't get as much of the descriptions as we got in the books. And even some of the stuff from the stands, like, um, I can remember there were, I felt, were there elves in the stands with them? And there was some stuff going on there. And I think that that kind of explained the death mark in the sky. Like there's so much more description that you're losing. And again, it's difficult to really kind of, to shove all of that stuff into a movie. But I feel like this is probably the book that you're losing the most from, at least to this point, losing the most from the book to the movie. And for people who, have seen only the movie you feel like I'll just go read the book because you're going to get so much more information and it's good information that you're missing again they they do what they have to to translate over to they give you the information that you need so that at the end of the store at the end of the story you're going to understand all the pieces that you need to but there's still just so much in the books that you miss out on if you don't read them yeah Micah what about you what did you think of the the Quidditch World Cup? Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but weren't they kind of resentful of Harry being involved in that? Or am the, I thinking who? like everybody else because he was too young? You're thinking about once we get further in. I'm sorry. We're, we're talking we're talking the Quidditch part, it's not the good. not the Triwizard Tournament. Wow, I jumped the gun. I am so sorry. <laughs> Um, but you are right. They were resentful of that. Yes. So, but see how it's fast forwarding. Wow. It's been a long week. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry guys. Um, yeah. Um, the Quidditch thing, like as we talked about in the Sorcerer's Stone episode, like I was just amazed at how they filmed this stuff. And from a, from a videographer, you know, multimedia creative arts kind of realm, I, I, can't say enough about how well they filmed these um these scenes made them come to life uh based on just what we've read in books so um yeah i thought it was cool Uh, it was different like it was almost like an up updated scene uh an updated version of what we saw in the sorcerer's stone but like again i thought that it was it was just it was really cool to see that come to life yeah i i loved seeing the mascots come in. I wish we would have actually seen more of the mascots with the leprechauns and, and the, the pixie fairies that make you fall in love. And um, cause they, they talk about them a little bit differently in the book than, than most of the movies and stuff talk about these different characters. I feel like there was so much more to the magical creatures. And we were talking about that last week with the, the prisoner of Azkaban episode um, just with, you know, this is where they're really starting to gain traction with the books and into the movies. You start to see some of these characters. And um, I thought it was really, really cool. And I wish we would have seen Ron buy the the zoom in binocular things that they talk about. Cause like, that was like, they talk about how like your eyes get really big at the end. Like it looks like, and you see just like googly eyes out in the stands. Like if you start like looking through, I was like, that would have been really cool to see like some of those special features. Cause when you look at magic, I think it was very serious in the movie. And I think that when she wrote it, some of it was goofy and some of it was more silly and fun. And it wasn't always this like defense against the dark arts. We're having to fight. Like sometimes magic was just fun. Part of 
I think the um, the like the pull in for her writing was the, <laughs> was the little things, right? Um, uh, like the omnoculars and um, like the tents that are bigger on the inside. Like it's those like little things that really draw you in and go, oh man, oh, that's absolutely. awesome. And like they just like for time or budget or whatever just you know either couldn't or didn't do that because they thought something else was more important but yeah i think definitely those are the things that really pull the heart um sometimes out of out of the movies oh absolutely like i think that that movie could have been a million times better and i think this is honestly i think this is the point where moving forward we're losing so much content because these books are getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. It is mm-hmm. really hard to translate all of that information. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah. you, you, and, and we talked about this as well is when you see something in the book, well, my interpretation as a video editor, as a, as a digital artist trying to translate that. And then like right now, Jim K, he is illustrating the Harry Potter series. Um, hmm. And the, and the new book just released uh, October 11th. And so we're really excited about order of the Phoenix and, with that, like getting his interpretations of that. And so what we have to do as the readers is understand, Hey, you know, it may not be exactly what we saw, but it could be someone else. And the it, Corey think, style. Yeah. And, and when you go in and you say, okay, that was their interpretation. Well, then you can go buy the book and see someone else's interpretation. Or if you want to go draw something, you can have your interpretation, but sometimes there's too many things to interpret. So they just leave that out. And it's just like, Hey, why, why even touch the leprechauns? Because, Jordan may see them as little Danny DeVitos with orange beards. And, and that's how I see it. Or Micah might be like, I see myself in there and I just want to put a jolly green hat on and have like four leaf clovers coming out of my ears. Like that's how I see a leprechaun. And Alicia may be like, I see that too. I see it all the time. Um, like each of us, like we may see things completely different. And so instead of trying to recreate things or, or create something new visually, we can cut that stuff out and it, it seems like small stuff, but then you have like Damon said, those book snobs, the book to movie snobs like us, we're like, no, we're missing something like you, mm-hmm. you're not getting it. You're not hitting those points. So, but I, I think this is really the big point where we start to see them truly deviating and leaving stuff out, but I can't blame them. I yeah. think for the time this, the ball was rolling. She w- she was not even done with the books at this point. Um, I want to say Order of the Phoenix had just come out like a year before, maybe, um, yeah. or maybe that year. Also, you gotta, I mean, you could make every one of them two or even three parts, but then you're worried about, you know, Daniel Radcliffe's 30 now and he's still not trying to play an 18 year old. Yeah. You know, not everybody can be Tom Holland. That's, that is very true. Yeah, and, and a million think, percent. Well, and I would I would go as far to say that I think that at the time these were created, like Netflix, Hulu, those like TV series that come out on those subscriptions, that wasn't even in the realm of possibility because like right. we're we're in an age of Marvel where we're getting, hey, here's all these movies, and then we get a TV show that fills in the gaps, and so we can extend their story. Like Mike and I talk about Scarlet Witch all the time she has this great movie story arc and then she gets WandaVision and then goes back into the movies. And I don't think that they even thought about, hey, what if we did Sorcerer's Stone as a movie, Chamber of Secrets as a movie, and then, uh, excuse me, 
uh, Prisoner of Azkaban as a movie and then do uh, Goblet of Fire as a TV series, like a like a, a five part series. Like, I don't think anybody even thought hmm. about doing TV and movie like that. That, well, just, they, that wasn't on the realm of possibility for them at the time. Well, in yeah. the early 2000s, it wasn't really a thing. However, um, <laughs> there was a we were watching a YouTube kind of recap earlier of it just to kind of see an, another point of view. And they said that this one they were they considered making this movie, too, like they did with the last one. Oh, yeah. Um, but they didn't. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm thankful they didn't because <laughs> that would have been one more movie that we had to watch. <laughs> I don't know. And I mean, we've seen a shift in the past decade where, you know, A-list movie stars go from, no, I will never do a TV show no matter what to like TV shows being like now it's like a bread butter, right? Now everybody wants to be on a TV show. Well, and I think that the reason being is because you now have these exclusive content providers where it's like, Hey, we can cut you a bigger deal because we have our own streaming service. And so we're not having to cut it with, AT&T or any any TV provider, direct TV, whatever, we're not having to cut them in. We can now Mm -hmm. give you more money this way. Um, Or or they may make a deal. Yeah, well, and like, you get to explore so much more of a character in a, you know, three-season TV show than you do in a a two-and-a-half-hour movie. Like, if I'm an actor and I'm truly, like, that's my, like, actual passion, that's going to be the thing I want to go to. And, oh, absolutely. And, well, and, and Damon, we talked, Jordan and I've talked about, I mean, we talk so much, I mean, this is what we do, but um, <laughs> we talk, we talked about, are you into Marvel as much as we are or, or not so much? Uh, yeah. Okay. So let's we'll give you on some episodes for that. But we just talked about phase four and the MCU and we were talking about how solid the small screen stuff has been that Disney has put out with Marvel. Um and it's been so much better than some of the movies that they put out. And it's just like, mm-hmm. it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing to see a six part series look so much better than a three hour movie. And it, it's just yeah. it's incredible. So like, I, it would have been cool to see for sure if they would have done that with Harry Potter. Absolutely. Um, so let's keep moving forward with, with this book. So, then we are introduced to characters from different schools. And so Harry's now at Hogwarts for his fourth year. Mm-hmm. We've got um, Mad-Eye Moody as the Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher, which yep. is, I'm putting big air quotes here, Mad-Eye Moody. Um, we find out, yeah, I know that, that, that <laughs> wink, wink kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, what did you guys think of let, let's let's hit Mad Eye real quick. What did you think of the reveal of him at the end being Barty Crouch Jr.? Like, did you see that coming? No. No, not at all. Honest, I mean no. some, of the, some of the mannerisms that we see Mad Mad Eye in quotes, um, like the I don't even know how to describe it. It's kind of like a the, yeah, the like tongue a thing. or an iguana or something like some sort yeah. of real type type creature. That mannerism kind of started presenting itself more as the movie progressed, and you're like, "That's weird. Like, what's going on?" So I feel like there were there were some clues, and even because he's one of the first people that we see in the opening sequence, his actual not the in quotes mad eye moody but the actual party birdie crouch jr but i don't know like i didn't see it coming at all 
But now that well, the, you know, yeah. it's like, okay, now I can pick up on the things that they were trying to drop uh-huh. away in the movie. In the book, you didn't get hints like that either. Like, you didn't get that, like, physical hint. You just, like, if you really stop to think about it, oh, he came out of the forest when Barty Crouch went missing. That was, right. in retrospect, really weird. But you just thought, oh, like, they set him up as this amazing wizard who's like, oh, obviously he's in this place because he's the dark wizard hunter, and that's just what he does. But. Yeah. And he's keeping eyes. He's he's keeping ears to the ground. He's doing whatever. And so I think that that is the cool piece that enhanced the movie is because now, like, for me, my first time watching it, I wasn't even paying attention to Mad Eye. I'm like, okay, Mad Eye's a really cool character, and he's mm-hmm. helping Harry. I don't know why he's helping Harry. And then by the end of the movie, you're like, oh, crap. Like, I mm-hmm. get it now. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When he pulled him back in his office, you were just like, oh, something's wrong. Something is not right. Like, I never talked about a graveyard. I never mentioned, I never mentioned that. And so Harry even starts picking up on, okay, something's not right. Yeah. I just, the way that that character was handled, I'm just blown away by. Yeah. Because it's, it felt like, I don't know if you guys have watched, like, uh, the Agatha, I think it's Agatha Christie, um, her like Murder on the Orient Express and all these different ones. Mm-hmm. Um, just to see how they do that, I absolutely loved it. So, um, because you, you don't know you don't know who it is, and they did drop hints because I think that yeah you know, oh yeah like Harry got accused by Snape of 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 stealing these two different types of potions. And Hermione is like, does does he? You think he thinks that you're making polyjuice potion? There's a hint right there. Yeah, because he had to have the polyjuice to the flask. Can you add anything? Yeah, it, it it just was nuts. Um, so let's let's talk about the schools and the representation of these schools. Um, did you like that? This is the first time we we were noticing that there's other wizarding schools. Um, Because I feel like the first three books kind of just say, oh, Hogwarts, 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 where this one says, hey, we've got that French school where it's all the girls. Hey, we've got the the Bulgaria school where it's all pretty much guys. Um, What did you guys think of the representation of more schools and having a tri-wizard tournament? Uh, Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, um, so it, yeah, it was okay. Like, I, we didn't. We were told there were differences in the school. Like, Durmstrang is a dark wizard or dark magic school or whatever. But like, no, like their main focus was Crumb, and like obviously, uh, Karkaroff was bad, right? But like they were teaching their students like bad stuff but like none of their students like got in trouble we never saw any of their students like do anything or even like be like shady in any way i'm like okay and like it was it was a clever way to get more people there and move the story and place people in places for future times but like it was just like okay but like big deal they're at other schools like is it just the same school in a different country? Because that's just kind of boring. That's that is true. Yeah, I do think that you know, as we progress through the movies and the books, that it's it's neat to see that their world is very similar to ours. Like it's not just 
the one school for all of the witches and wizards and they all go to Hogwarts like there are these other locations even with the with the um, the Quidditch Cup like there are teams that represent specific countries so it's not like not all of the wizards and witches are in England but there are some in the United States and there's some in South America and Canada and like there are all these different locations so it's just it's broadening the scope that we're looking at so I appreciate that perspective um but you're right like you don't yes it's like okay yeah there's these other schools that exist but it doesn't really go into but I think Jordan to a point that you made a couple podcasts ago when we were talking about the houses the reason we know so much about Gryffindor is because that the characters the main characters that's the house that they were a part of so the reason that we know so much about Hogwarts is because that's how mm-hmm. the books were written like they were yeah. they were from the point of view yeah built from that perspective and so like that also opens up worlds for other people or JK Rowling to go down these other roads and let's have a series that just talks about the French school or just talks about the, the Bulgarian mm-hmm. school so I mean it opens up doors um for that but I, I agree. It's like, it doesn't really feel like we, it was like, here, here's this dangling carrot. Yeah. This, yeah. But that's all you're getting. I would have liked like a real quick, like, um, you know, like, like this wizard from Durmstrang invented this you know, type of magic or this type of spell or this type of potion, or like they have this artifact there and they're the keeper of it. And that's why they're important. And then like, here's Bobatons and like, they have like maybe the same thing. Like, just a little bit of like just rounding little. out or meat to the school. Yeah. yeah. Micah, what did you think? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm running out of fumes, right? Like we did, we did the last, you know, we're recording a couple of episodes back to back and I'm like, I'm just fried. I'm so sorry. Well, remind me of the question again, Jordan. Okay, so we're talking about the different schools and the representation that comes with them. What did you think of just the character development, uh, the, the, the inclusion of these schools? What, what did you think about that? Because it's not just Hogwarts here. We have Durmstrang and what was the, the, the uh, French school? Bobaton. Bobaton. Bobaton and Durmstrang. Yeah, I think... So thank you for, for clarifying that question. I also think it's cool to have comedic relief in the middle of a podcast. I think that's good because we get so serious and wrapped up and stuff uh, sometimes that we just forget to have fun. Um, not that we don't. I just think that comedic relief is good. So um, that'll make for a good laugh when we listen back to this episode. Um, <laughs> but back to your question, um, I uh, I thought it was cool. for, for So for two reasons. One, it's cool to see other perspectives. Um, it's always good to see other perspectives and there's always, um, you know, a different way to look at things from different lenses. And so like to have different schools represented during this time is, is good. Um, also, you know, we haven't really touched much on it, but like the characters are really starting to evolve and grow up. And so we're starting to see them mature and, and act differently and respond differently to different circumstances. And so, um, you can definitely tell they're going to act differently now four books or four movies into the series versus what they did when they were in the Sorcerer's Stone, for example, when they first got into Hogwarts. Um, and it's just cool to see the evolution, the diversity, the, um, the maturity of, of their characters. And um, 
like I said earlier, Alicia and I kind of watched a quick review of this, uh, you know, film earlier just to kind of compare notes. Um, and they were just talking, they talked a lot and touched a lot about how Harry, Hermione, and Ron have grown up a lot. And you're really starting to see it, not just like from a character development piece, but also from like literally they're starting to look like young men and women because they're they're teenagers. Well, because and they're so, like, becoming they, young men and women. And, right. In real life. Like they're you know, and that was I think that's another thing that made these this movie slap these movies so special is that like, you know, they grew up in real time and they filmed their growing up in real time. Right. You talked about Tom Holland yeah. earlier, Damon. Like, but like <laughs> You know, these guys, they filmed these movies as they were growing up. They started out really, really young and they grew up with the movies and as they filmed the movies. And so it was just, it was cool. It's cool to see, um, you know, Harry Potter from the Harry, you know, Harry Potter and Sorcerer's Stone wouldn't have reacted with his house the way he did in The Goblet of Fire. He just, because of the maturity that goes along with that. Does that answer your question? Was that, was that a good enough exposition of... <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Okay, so out of the three contest challenges, let's talk real quick about which was your favorite. So the first one being when they have to face the dragons and they have to collect the egg. The second being when they go against the mermaids and have to free a friend. Or the third being the maze. I feel like the maze didn't get a whole lot of love um, because it, it really just played as the precursor to the battle with Voldemort. But... Micah, let's start with you. Which of your which of the three was your favorite? I mean, you have to go with dragons. <laughs> I mean, you have ma- mermaids, you have a maze, or you have dragons. That's fair. That is that is fair. Alicia, if you pick mermaids, I mean, it's not Ariel. It's it's definitely <laughs> it is definitely not Ariel. No, those. I think it's funny too. Like, and you know, we we have all these creatures. You know, some of the creatures that we're getting in the Harry Potter series are characters that we're somewhat familiar with, like dragons and mermaids. I mean, we talked about hippogriffs, like that didn't exist before Harry Potter, but we were starting to get these other things. But I mean, dragons, yes, they're ferocious. That's something that we expect, they breathe fire. Um, We're getting a new perspective on mermaids with this because they're not all like mermaids in my head when you think, I mean, because. I grew up Disney. Little Mermaid was like my favorite uh, cartoon when I was a kid. I wore out the VHS. A VHS, for those people who don't know that are listening, a VHS was pre-DVD and it was kind of like a cassette tape. But like I wore that tape out because I watched it so much. The first 10 minutes of the of the movie was black on the, <laughs> I watched it so much. So like, oh my gosh. that is my, my perspective of mermaids as the little mermaid, or even from, from Peter Pan, like they're like these ditzy characters that lay around in, you know, in a cove all day. These are not the mermaids <laughs> that I grew up with. Like these are ferocious things. They look kind of pretty. And then all of a sudden they're not pretty anymore and they're definitely not friendly. So, I mean, of the three, I would say the mermaids is probably my, because my scope got changed because these aren't the, these aren't the mermaids that I was used to. I appreciate having a different perspective. So I think the mermaids are probably my favorite. Mm. I gotcha. I think we see that with the, uh, with like house elves and the goblins. They're all kind of like, just like weird versions of everything we've known before. Mm -hmm. Um, which is very clever. Um, I'm going to go with the maze. 
Um, I think the maze, you need to use magic, you had to be clever, you had to use your brain um, to, because there was like the the Sphinx that gave you the uh, like riddle. Like I think there was oh, a little I bit of everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. The maze they, like was living and it moved and like, yeah, the maze was my favorite. Was it amazing? It was amazing. Jordan, what was your favorite? You know, I the three are so distinctly different. And I think movie-wise, I'm going to go the dragons. But book-wise, mm-hmm. I'm going to say the maze. Because I forgot about the Sphinx. And, like, taking real-world pieces that you can now turn into magical pieces, like, that was really cool. Because, like, what is the Sphinx? We don't know. Like, why, why is its nose missing? Why it is... Like, why is it? Like, it's this big question mark to Egyptian society. And, you know, they have some answers, but they don't have all the answers. And to to play into that a little bit more and, like, the way – because weren't there also creatures that were also mm-hmm. in the maze? Like, they talk yeah. about how there's – it's yeah. not just the spells. It's not just the battling each other. <laughs> Blast and, into scroots or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like you got to figure each piece out. And, like, yeah. I think – Oh, and there was a the font they stepped up into, and they were upside down, and they had to, like, figure out, like – how to get out of that? Yeah, yeah, they had to. They had to use their defense against the dark arts. That there was a reason you had to be what a fifth or sixth year at minimum. Like mm-hmm. he was, he wasn't mm-hmm. even there yet. And it's like, no, you can't. You can't just hop in. Like you have to follow the rules. And they changed the rules and all. That. I'm like, okay, but no, I I think that the maze from a book standpoint was way better than what was shown. Because I feel like we just got lost. There, you're you're trying to make it like this creepy thriller horror kind of thing of them running around in the maze it was just a maze is what happened that's all it was it just and but you know from a from a standpoint when they first show it i was expecting something bigger to come out of it i would have loved to see some trolls in there i would have loved to see like like a werewolf in there because they talk about how there's these dangerous creatures but they just didn't show that they just showed the vine sucking you in and like you had to shoot your wand uh shoot some sparks up so that way they that kind of stuff. It just wasn't wasn't aesthetic for me as far as it could have been. Um, which I understand it was just it was literally setting up the fight against Voldemort, but I'm like, I really wish you would have made him a little bit weaker, like exhausted from running through the maze and, and like mentally exhausted from from fi- figuring out the clues and trying to figure out where he went. Mm-hmm. I think it was just too straightforward, easy. Um, because yeah. how long how long were they in the maze in the book? They were in the maze for for a, a little while. bit. Yeah. I was going to say, like, I would say probably a couple hours where in the, in the movie, it felt like you were there for really like 20 minutes. Yeah. Right. I'm like, I've never gone through a maze in 20 minutes. <laughs> like I'm going to go to the corn maze in a few weeks. I'll see you in like six weeks. I don't know. I'll yeah. Be, when the yeah. corn, when they, the corn dies, I'll They're be gonna, out. Yeah. When, when they go to, to get all the crop and all that at the end, like, Hey, is there anything we can sell at the end of the year? Like, <laughs> Yeah. But no, I just I think that the from from the movie standpoint, the Hungarian horntail was amazing, and that thing looked sick. And we yeah. we've seen some pretty cool dragons um, on on screen, but I just I think that one when it like scales Hogwarts towers and things like that, and it's mm. like throwing shingles off, and it's like it if it was a human, it would have thought, oh, I'll just fly around, and then because he's struggling to fall or he's like hanging on, but it's like I'm going after my food. And it, there seems something personal between that dragon and Harry, and he's just like yeah. out for him. And I was like, "Whoa!" I remember seeing it in the theater, and it was so just like 
it was huge and it was loud and it was like shook the theater when it like howled and it was like yeah oh yeah it was incredible and i i think i also really liked the pieces of like the egg when you got the egg and you had to figure out the clue like i i love a, uh this book called ready player one and it's that same idea of like you you figure out the clue you face the challenge and then you keep moving forward and like you have to kind of repeat the cycle and i feel like that's kind of what happened um through each piece and i was like oh this is this is really cool and i liked i really liked this book it's one of my favorite of the books um it is not my favorite full book because that's uh order of the phoenix but um i think goblet of fire is just a solid solid story that just got mm-hmm. mis misrepresented on screen mm-hmm. so so can we stop right there for a second yeah and i just want to does everybody agree that the dumbledore was terrible like oh like yeah like he's just like I, the right like his rewrite of like that goblet of fire scene where he yells at harry and like just like it bothers me so much to this day how he, he was portrayed as treating harry as a liar and like just a terrible child when he had never ever done that ever not once even like that thought would ever ever cross his mind that Harry would have done something like that on purpose. Like, and I think that really stole, um, for me, that really stole something um, from the scene later on where he, uh, where he blasts into um, Mad Eye's office at the end. Like, if you read the book, that's the first time you like, you're like wow Dumbledore is like crazy powerful he's scary he's not just like this old nice wise dude he's like he is terrifying um I think like him being like mean and kind of scary in that scene stole a lot from the character of Dumbledore at the end absolutely well as we kind of close up this this episode my last question for you is how did you feel about the last part, the last scene when we see, Vol- well, one of the last scenes, when we see Voldemort come to life and they have to have bone of my oh. bone, blood of my blood, and like just the magic. And I mean, you know, we, we've talked about how Hocus Pocus 2 is coming now and um, how we, we are seeing like some of these pieces and it's like that magical piece. What did you guys think of that? I mean, I thought it was We good. hadn't seen real. Sorry, go ahead, Michael. No, I was going to say, I thought it was cool, um, just visually. Um, something else I wanted to throw in there quickly right before we kind of like wrap up. Jordan, I forgot to, to mention this earlier. Yeah, um, no, you're but good. Just, but I, uh, when I was watching kind of like a review recap, like we were talking about, um, Alicia and I watched earlier, uh, I didn't realize that John Williams didn't do the film score for this. Hmm. And this is the first one that he didn't do. And he I don't think he yeah. did the rest of them either. He just did the first three. But oh. anyway, uh, I don't know why I thought of that. Because I was thinking of the big like conclusion to a movie and the big like fight scene and the big, you know, musical moment. Um, Damon, I haven't shared yet, but I'm a huge music nerd. But uh huge film score fan. Both my wife and I are both uh huge fans of John Williams and others. And so uh anyway, back to the fight scene, I thought that it was like visually uh really really cool and it was probably one of the the cooler parts of the movie for me alicia what did you think yeah i agree visually it was it was stunning and again it was heartbreaking to kind of see um harry get that that from his parents like he 
he can feel their presence and um, them kind of helping him visually. It was a, it was really good. And I think too we we get that same visual when we get to the very end of the series and the movies. And it so that I mm-hmm. love that they I love that they carry that over. Um, and Micah, who hasn't seen this yet, like he'll he'll probably appreciate it then too. But I mean, appreciate appreciate the visual for sure. Um, what about you, Damon? Uh, yeah, so, you know, we hadn't seen, like, real, like, actual dark magic before, and it it was, like, I think the movie did a really good job of making it very dark and very scary and very, like, hey, this, this is what evil looks like right here. Um, so, yeah, with the, like, the cauldron and the death eaters everywhere, and then the duel between, um, Harry and Voldemort with the Priori and Cantatum. I mean, with the 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 web of like magic was like it was gorgeous. And I think you're right. I think that's where they really got the heart um, of the book right with his mom and dad and the gardener and and um, Cedric there. And really, like they really grabbed that heartstrings right there. And when yeah, and then when it was all over and they flashback to the um uh you know flashback to the stadium and like harry's just distraught and you see Cedric's dad come and it's like that all that emotion is like very good yeah yeah i that that moment just it breaks your heart but then you also see we may have just met our darth vader of the 21st century like we may have just hit that point of seeing a top tier villain because we don't see villains that that last more than two or three movies max. Right. And this is a guy who has a seven book run. Like he he doesn't go away. He's still there. And I'm like, wow. So guys, thank you. I'm going to cut this one off here because yeah. there's so much more we can talk about. And it's such a great series. And we'll be definitely revisiting this in future episodes. But, you know, just starting with this of knowing that this is just an amazing book. Um, definitely go check it out, listeners. Uh, if, if it's one of my favorites. I definitely say go check it out. And if you're watching the movies as we're pushing these out, definitely go see that. Damon, you got Read anything else? Read, Read the, the books. books. Read the books. <laughs> yes. So you will you will appreciate the book so much more um, than, than the, the movies. They're, the movies are amazing. The books are way better. So, all right. Well, that's it for us. Definitely check us out on our TikTok channel. Um, And thank you so much, guys, for being a part of this. And we will catch you next time here on Nerd Talk.